This is a Suno India production. You can now listen to all our episodes on our Android app. Download it now from Google Play Store. The 10th of September is World Suicide Day, and as per the World Health Organization, more than 7 lakh people die of suicide annually. Suicide is as much a public health concern as any other, and more importantly, suicides can be prevented or reduced by raising awareness, reducing stigma around suicide, among other measures. The recent data from National Crimes Records Bureau or NCRB. shows record highs in the levels of suicide in the country last year 1.64 lakhs persons died by suicide an increase of 7.2% from 2020 this is the first time in history that suicide rates in india has it 12 per 100000 population and this is since ncrb started collecting data on suicides in 1967 so there has been an uptick in the last in 20 and 21 there's no doubt about it there has been a substantial increase in the number of suicides in india okay this is dr lakshmi vijay kumar she is a psychiatrist renowned for her work on suicide prevention she is deeply disturbed by this trend dr lakshmi founded the ngo sneha in chennai in 1986 and this ngo pioneered suicide prevention She is also the member of WHO's International Network for Suicide Research and Prevention. The uptake is much more in the last two years. You know, the rate of change is much more in 2020 and 21 than in any other time in the last 15-20 years. Okay, the change is uh, rapid in the last in the last two years, and I think there are many factors for that. Of course, of course, the the one which is right in front is of course the covid and all the related issues which come with having covid okay covid has really made a lot of us feel vulnerable and in when any emergency or disaster or anything the people who are in the lower economic strata are the ones who are mostly affected whether it is floods fire or earthquake or anything it is always the people who are living Uh, I, you know, at the lowest rung of uh, economic prosperity, you know, the thatched huts, poor sanitation, you know, everything which goes with it. They are the ones who are affected the most. Hello, I'm Meenaka Rao, the host of this episode of Suno India Show. I will be speaking to two experts on suicide prevention and advocacy work, Dr. Lakshmi Vijay Kumar. and dr shomitra pathare dr shomitra is a psychiatrist and the director of center for mental health law and policy he has helped government in drafting mental health care act 2017 which is a right based approach to mental health i interviewed them to understand suicide in india based on the data that we have and the policy decision that can be taken to reduce suicide in this country When you look at the global trends, suicide rates did not rise in most of the first world countries during the COVID-19 pandemic. 
one conclusion that you can draw out of some of the data that we have currently that uh, suicides did not particularly rise in the in europe and north america okay during the pandemic uh, they they remained uh, remained constant in fact there is enough data to show that suicides were not particularly rising in anywhere in north america uh, so among the rich countries the only exception really has been japan where suicides did rise in the pandemic but other than that all other countries almost you know there's a paper looking at some 18 20 countries suicides did not rise what we know from the anecdotal data and from publications that have come out is that uh, during the pandemic suicides did rise in the low and middle income countries you know so in countries in africa even in southeast asia uh, suicides did rise during the pandemic so uh, so that is a clear distinction between the rich countries and the poor countries in a sense the poor countries suicides rose uh, in the rich countries suicides did not rise uh, now one can speculate what the reasons for that are uh, but one of the so you know one of the things you could also speculate that in rich countries for example uh, places like canada and europe uh, put in place a huge social security system as soon as the pandemic lockdown started you know like in in all of those places in many of those countries for example government said to employers that look we'll pay 80% of the salary even if people are unemployed are not being coming to work and you got a lockdown uh, they upped the social security benefits and all so so people were financially in some ways protected in low and middle income countries in africa and asia very almost none of the governments did that or had the financial capability to do that uh, and in those countries suicide have gone up now this is a uh, this is just a correlation and you can't uh, swear and say this is causation but the point is that that's a indicator that maybe maybe the reason why suicides went up in low and middle income countries while they didn't go up in high income countries was something to do with the financial protection that was offered in those countries you know dr shomitra says that economic crisis such as the great depression in 1929 and the financial crisis in greece in 2008 are known to result in increase in suicide rates for the depression we have data for the uh, for the greeks uh, greek financial crisis in 2008 we have data we know that that all kinds of economic crises always result in a rise in suicide rates uh, and it usually starts with a little bit of a lag and then goes on increasing for 3 4 5 years before it kind of starts to drop back to its original level you know um, so so that is a known fact that economic crises and suicides tend to kind of have a direct correlation with each other with a slight lag 2016 was notebandi right yeah it kind of that's when our yeah, yeah. began huh. but with all of these uh, with all of the suicide data now that the the one to one direct causation is always very difficult to make you know because there are so many moving parts there have been so many economic issues that have happened in the last 4 years now that to isolate it and put it to one economic issue is difficult so you had you had your uh, demonetization in 16 you had gst in 17 and then you had the pandemic in 1920 Now there have been like three big economic issues in the last yeah, five years. Yeah. No? One big headline point was that daily wage laborers show a highest percentage point of suicide among people of other professions, around twenty-five point six, basically. The other professions that are included in this consideration are unemployed persons, retired persons, farmers.
a group that is discussed in media a lot housewives students among others i first asked the two experts about the daily wage laborers the daily wage uh, earners uh, data if you look at the daily wage earners uh, suicide increases in the last 2 years or something then they are not dramatically up okay if you look at it from 2014 then yes they are significantly up like they were only 15000 in 2014 and then they've dramatically gone up from 15000 and then they are now at uh, at 42000 and uh, the reason why a uh, daily wage earner daily laborer is more prone for suicide or three things okay if you cross tabulate it with education you will find that people who are up to middle school have the highest number of suicide okay but the graduates more educated people don't have but that's also counter intuitive because if you look at the suicide map of india the states which have the highest literacy rates have higher suicide rates okay so in a higher literacy rate if you are a person who is not educated then the suicide risk is more it is in comparison to what your state uh, level is okay uh, so and the if you correlated that with uh, with the daily age earner most of them are middle school or primary school uh, only okay they have been educated only to that level so the fact is that they well, let's take one category by one category if you take the daily wage laborers uh, they they have no permanency in their life their uncertainties in their lives is much more than anybody else okay they don't know whether they'll have the work tomorrow whether they will earn tomorrow okay so and it is majority of them do hard manual labor also okay so the fact of uncertainty is a major issue and because of the uncertainty you find many of them do abuse alcohol okay the manual labor after earning they 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 they, they are not very educated okay so don't don't think about the future and uh, quite a lot of men take alcohol okay so the combination of uncertainty alcoholism and a lifestyle which is very uncertain makes the person do things take do suicide when they are very impulsively you know there are other groups as well which are vulnerable for instance 12.3% of the persons dying of suicide as per the ncrb classification of professions are quote unquote self employed persons dr lakshmi's ngo sneha runs a helpline for suicide prevention i asked her if she could give me instances that showed what kind of problems these daily wage workers or self employed persons face I will give you gen- generic information sure. because it's a confidential service. Okay? Yeah, yeah. But in the last one or two years, we have seen many people hit by because of small, uh, uh, small scale workers, small in a uh, tea shop people, even the roadside cobbler. You know, now people are not stopping. There's no no traffic, nothing, and uh, you know those people are the ones. who are in great distress and they do call us 
typically what i would say is the ones who are really affected for example the lowest strata somehow they are able to get the subsidies of the government okay a little bit above them who are used to kind of taking care of their needs now they are not able to take care of their needs that affects them very much and they are vulnerable for example a small as i said a tea shop owner or a small uh, person who uh, delivers food to you know uh, caters food to the people or a small fancy uh, uh, you know small store which gives uh, sells a lot of different stuff no so those kind of people who are who who think they have worked hard and have got their own uh profession or uh, status when it is suddenly taken away that causes a problem the other issue is of course the issue of daily wage earners which we have talked about and the fact is that in many states most of the daily laborers who work in the road development or construction sites are from other states so they are far away from their family they live in makeshift temporary arrangements uh they don't have a health cover okay and uh, they are at the mercy of the people who employ them okay and uh, the support for them is very less because they don't have family support they don't have financial support they don't have proper housing they don't have proper health uh uh benefits so they are really vulnerable if you look at the occupational rules per se one trend which has been consistent over the years is the least suicides are found in people who are employed by the government i think it gives them safety security uh, you know prestige whatever it is so the least uh, suicide rate is among those who are employed by the government i mean even if you look at all the age groups everything like yeah okay okay so which which sort of uh, uh, means that you know your uh, what i mean what you earn and what gives you security in terms of you know food shelter mm. etc is is equally important, important for uh, yeah very important housewives too are vulnerable to suicide and this year about 14% of the housewives died by suicide about the same as last year the main cause seems to be patriarchy here if you go to housewives the fact is if you look at the suicide rates in in india over a period over the years okay and disaggregated by gender you will find that below the age of 18 the number of suicides between men and women are almost similar there is not much of a difference okay but if you look at between 18 and 30 actually the suicide rate in women is more okay but after the age of 30 the women suicide rate drops dramatically there is a men suicide rate remains the same i mean with a slight increase so there is a significant almost 
30-40% drop in the suicide rate of women after the age of 30. So the most vulnerable period for a woman is between 18 and 30. When actually she becomes a housewife. See, um, um, about uh, 60% of, uh, I mean, about 30 to 40% of our uh, girls are married by 18. Okay? And and 60% of the marriages are still arranged marriages. So the issue of going into uh, an in-law's house with not enough skills to uh, handle the interpersonal issues which may arise from moving to a different household, the lower status of a woman in that household, all this contributes. Okay? But by end, by age 30, majority of the women have at least one child. Okay. So having a child below the age of 16 is a very strong protective factor against suicide. So even though the circumstances have not changed, your mother-in-law has not changed, your husband has not changed, the feeling that you are responsible for your child keeps the woman alive. So that's why there is a huge drop in a woman's suicide rate after the age of 30. And housewives, there are three things why it is uh, common. As I said, all marriage-related issues, the issue of dowry, the issue of arranged marriages, the issue of forced marriages, the issue of early marriages, love failure, all of this contribute to that age group issues relating to that. And then when they become a housewife, when they enter a, in a patriarchal system, when they enter in the husband's housewives, she is, she is at the lowest totem pole of the hierarchy of the household. Okay? And she is expected to uh, do so many different uh, chores in terms of household chores, in terms of uh, satisfying the husband in, and also as being the carer, because uh, if anybody is sick at home, it is she who has to look after. So these multiple roles they have to play suddenly, and when at a, it happens at a young age, when you are not able to express your needs, wants, or you do, are not able to be confident about yourself, people feel extremely vulnerable. And that's why housewives, it's very common. And also... Uh, the method which they use is that uh, the self-immolation, that is setting fire to oneself, is the only method of suicide where women outnumber men. By, uh, by It is 60-40, it used to be 80-20 women versus men. Now more men have started, it becomes 65-35. So the, the, at that time, kerosene was freely available at home. So, uh, interpersonal difficulties or whatever it is, the access to the method of suicide was very available and uh, she's not afraid of using it because no, no, when you are choosing a method to die by suicide, you have to be know what method, you have to be comfortable with the method, you know, things like that. So, this is really accessible. She's been using it every day. So, she just uses it. Or if it is in the rural area, a farm laborer or somebody like that, pesticides are so freely available, they will just take it. 
so uh, the reason for higher female suicides in the younger age group particularly among housewives in india is largely due to the social cultural context in which they live right now the only real time indicator of suicide rates in the country is ncrb and dr shomitra stresses that the ncrb data is not reliable we think that the ncrb data is some kind of a gold standard it isn't you know the only uh, only broad conclusions that i would maybe make from the ncrb data or the data that i would rely on from the ncrb is uh, very broad trends whole problem for me comes up is how do they decide to classify people you know if you look at i i don't know if you looked at the professional classifications that they've used you know that professional classification the way they've the way they've done it uh, to my mind makes no sense at all you, yeah yeah you, so how classifications they so what happens if a, if a woman is a hawker on the street yeah, yeah? like Isha, do you put her in housewife? Are you putting her as a uh, daily wage earner, or are you putting her as small business owner? What? Where do you put her? And and uh, the point I'm trying to make is that when you're trying to categorize people, you need to have non-overlapping categories. You understand what I mean? That uh, a person can only go into one or the other. Now, if you don't have non-overlapping categories and you have overlapping categories, and if somebody could be classified in say three categories then where are you where are you putting them and who's taking that decision who's taking that call to put them in one of those three categories uh, what are the guidelines for that we don't know any of that so this is really down to like the constable at that police station taking a call and saying ah isko main housewife mein dal dunga even the classification of causes of suicide is hugely problematic he says so let's take for example there is a man who who is a daily wage earner let's say he's not got work for many days yeah last 3 months he's not been working last 2 months he's drinking heavily last night he had a fight with his wife and now he's died of suicide now where is the ncrb putting him into are they putting him as oh financial difficulties are they putting him as uh, uh, you know alcohol related or are they putting him as uh, family problems because yesterday he had a fight with his wife i mean who who makes this call who decides which category is put down as a cause and and in this which would you put as a cause you know these are all pathways and so suicide very often is like a pathway people don't go it's not like turning a switch on and off i mean of course there will be times when there is a specific event which might make people vulnerable to an impulsive suicide but that's not always true very often there will be pathways which makes people vulnerable over a period of time and you are going down that pathway you know the unfortunate uh, point about the whole suicide thing is that we look at suicide as some kind of a unitary phenomena you know we look at suicide as if you are looking at tuberculosis for example it's not going to be like that you know suicides uh, uh, suicides their causation as well as their prevention is going to be very different in different age groups and different genders uh, in different regions uh, and at different points in time 
you know so there's so much of a uh, so much of a complicated pattern to the whole thing that to uh, say that oh what is the one cause which causes more suicides it's very difficult to say that uh, because every different group will have different drivers and sometimes all of those drivers are acting in one way and so all all groups are showing an increase and in some other times all of the drive the drivers are acting in different ways and so one group shows an increase other group shows a decrease that kind of stuff look at the children's suicide data now last year when in 2020 uh, the the total suicides okay across the board suicides went up by 10% but suicides under children went up by 19% so double the rate okay this year suicides in 2021 this year meaning the 2021 data suicides across the population up by 7% but in children down by 5% you you get what i mean so now clearly the drivers of what is pushing children suicides up and down are clearly different to the drivers uh, in in uh, uh, the in the rest of the population Dr. Shomitra says that data collection should be moved from law enforcement agencies to the public health agencies. The NCRB should also release raw data so that experts can analyze it effectively and help influence policy. A huge data point that is missing, according to Dr. Shomitra, is the data on attempted suicide. Uh, attempted suicides were a crime for so many years. Okay, in India, there were like three zero nine has been a crime, and attempting suicide was a crime. But NCRB does not really well. NCRB does collect some of the attempted suicide data and publishes. But if you look at the number of attempted suicides for which a case is filed, it's like thousand or fifteen hundred across the country for a year. So clearly, NCRB don't collect attempted suicide data. They collect data on where a three zero nine case has been filed. We don't. So nobody collects attempted suicide data in the country. Now you'd say why? Why bother with attempted suicides for two reasons? One is. uh you know attempted suicide is one of the best predictors of uh, death by suicide in the uh, future so clearly uh, you know if we collected that data we would actually be able to identify a high risk group where you could then uh, push your interventions into uh, the second thing is that uh, the attempted suicide also cause a lot of uh, health sector burden no there's a lot of burden on the health sector there is out of pocket expenses all of that stuff happens with attempted suicide Uh, even if it means you are collecting attempted suicide data of people who go to a health facility for treatment, even if it is not every single attempted suicide, you know there will be people who swallow five pills, sleep at home, wake up after five days, never go to a doctor. You know your health facility will have no record of them. But still, if you only collected the health facility data, you will get serious attempted suicides. Both the experts stress that the mistake the policymakers make is to look at suicide as a problem with a single cause. there is no single simple explanation for suicide for long we have always been thinking that suicide in a dichotomous way whether it is an individual vulnerability that makes a person suicide or whether it is a social factors which pushes a person to suicide it is not true it it is both we have allowed it to divide whether it is individual vulnerability or social situation it is a combination of both as much as individual vulnerability is important social circumstances are equally important to uh, the environmental factors play a huge role in fact uh, there was a study which looked at how much does the biological genetic 
the cycle factors contribute? How much does the environmental factors contribute? And if you look at it, 43, 42 to 44% is probably biological. But 56% is because of environmental factors. Okay? So, uh, and also people believe that uh, uh, suicide is an individual act. I can't do anything about it. Okay? Or they think it is because of poverty, unemployment, I can't do anything about it, and I, so I cannot prevent it. But the fact is, it's not true. Suicides can be prevented by a variety of ways, both at the individual level and at the societal level. For example, in Brazil, they made cash transfers to poor people who didn't have food. And that has reduced suicide. Okay? And there have been some studies in uh, U.S., where the suicide rate was high and crime was also high, they took all those children from the depraved inner city setting and gave, gave them uh, in a nice uh, semi, you know, uh, suburban lifestyle homes and uh, the suicide rate dropped down and crime rate dropped down. So you cannot say that it is only a mental health issue. You cannot say it is only a social health issue. It is a combination of both and both need to be addressed if suicide has to be reduced. So we, what we need to do is to identify vulnerable individuals, mm. identify what are all the social factors which will trigger these ind individual vulnerable people to think of suicide, address the individual uh, vulnerable factors and address the social factors. Only then we can uh, make a difference. The highest number of suicides were reported in Maharashtra, where 22,000-odd persons died of suicide in 2021. Tamil Nadu, Madhya Pradesh, West Bengal and Karnataka reported the next highest numbers of suicide. These states accounted for 50-odd percent of total deaths by suicides. If, if states had, a, uh, had an integrated suicide prevention strategy, then, then they could start looking at these things and say, okay, what are all the steps that we need to be doing for suicide prevention and let's do them one by one. Let's start with the things that don't cost any money at all to things that cost a little money and then to things that cost a lot, lot of money. And everyone keeps on saying national suicide prevention strategy. My, while, while a national suicide prevention strategy makes sense to some extent, I'm not completely convinced that that's actually the solution. You know, the suicide, uh, the suicide profiles across different states is so different that I think that if you're going to really do good quality suicide strategy, suicide policy, then that, that has to be at the state level. You know, you need to have states designing a suicide strategy based on the uh, data that they have for their own state rate for suicide is about the national average, slightly above the national average, okay? So it's, it's a middling kind of a state. But if you look at the number of student suicides, Orissa ranks second in the country for student suicides, you know? Now, for a state which is otherwise only at the average, but for student suicides is right at the top. Now, clearly then, Orissa needs a different strategy in that sense, you know, because they've clearly got a vulnerable group which needs addressing. Or take Telangana and Maharashtra, for example, you know. Uh, they, they are the ones where the suicides, farmer suicides are highly concentrated. So if, if you're doing a Telangana or a Maharashtra strategy, you'll have to actually 
work on on those kind of suicides uh very interesting data from kerala which didn't come out of the ncrb but came out came back a few days ago which showed that uh, about 17% of uh, maternal deaths you know these are deaths within one year of uh, childbirth or during pregnancy uh 17% of maternal deaths in kerala were because of suicide and and then there will be some cities and all which might require their own strategies like for example thing that comes to mind is for example kota you know uh, kota should really have a very different suicide prevention strategy considering that they have such a high number of students students who come there for that you know preparing for these entrance exams and they get high rates of suicide there you know clearly kota needs a different suicide prevention strategy than let's say the whole of rajasthan also the experts say that nationally there needs to be a policy and a body that unites all the departments that could affect suicide together first of all we should have a national suicide prevention strategy can you think of any condition where 163000 people die every year and you don't have a plan to address that a national policy has been written and given but it is still gathering dust for the last two years so as i said suicide is not a single problem no one department can look at it you have to have the department of women and child welfare education agriculture health law policy everybody together to work towards that many countries have started national suicide prevention strategies and have reduced their suicide our country unfortunately we have the dubious distinction of having the maximum number of suicides in the world and it is high time the government comes out with a plan which is already drafted and make it implemented and reduce this because uh, many suicides in india are because young people okay majority are young people so it's not only a loss to the family but to the community and country also my argument has been that we should actually have a national suicide prevention agency or a suicide prevention mission or an organization you know like they did for the naco for example was for hiv aids the reason you would want a want a national suicide prevention agency is because suicide prevention is necessarily going to require intersectoral coordination okay uh, it will require health uh, education agriculture employment social justice all working together uh, and and in sync now how are you going to be able to do that no unless you had an agency which was able to bring all of these people round the table and get them to sync their programs and do things together thank you for listening to this episode you can now listen to all our episodes on our android app download it now from google play store